Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. I've Karen Collins with me tonight. Uh, Rory and James are elsewhere. Uh, we'll have them on next week. Uh, Karen, how are things? Good, Mark. Yourself? Very good, very good. Yeah, I've been, I suppose tonight we'll kind of review the Allianz Hurling League uh, semi-finals in Division 1. Also look at the relegation final that took place in Navan as well between Antrim and Offaly. And maybe have a little look in terms of some inter-county squad selections, um, maybe specifically around Limerick under-20s. And also Galway have un- unveiled a 34-plus man squad that you think might reclaim uh, Liam McCarthy. So maybe we kind of start off first. Uh, Kieran, I know you were down in Northern Park. You're based in Wexford. Confidence was high with Wexford heading into that match against Walford. But my God, I did not see that scoreline coming whatsoever, given our comments last week in terms of the two Munster teams and thinking that might be a few commitments issues. My God. Watford fairly squashed that in the head fairly early, didn't they? Absolutely. Jesus. Um, it's hard to know, is it a case Waterford were really good or was it just Wexford were very bad? I'm looking at it like you, you can pick a, a lot of weaknesses out in the Wexford performance. Um, straight off, I was I was just watching the uh, the warm-up. Like I, I love watching teams warm-up. And just Waterford had such an emphasis in the drills they were doing on like running and running with guys off the shoulder and you know passing and you know tackling all contact you know similar to what Limerick would do and you look at Wexford's and it's kind of I call it old-fashioned like you know running up and down lines passing balls you know but I think Walford you you can see what they're doing in training like and what they did during the match you know it was like a carbon copy of what drills they had performed and the warm-up uh very impressive the the forwards, the the movement in the forwards is just unbelievable to watch them. You know, it's now I think it was made very easy by Wexford. So first thing I want to look at is like the puckouts. Yeah. Like Wexford's puckouts, they started off, they put them all along, they didn't work, they didn't win any of their own puckouts. And then I think the first one they might have put short was for Ozzy's goal. Yeah. Um, now where Mark Fanning was putting, okay, there was two mistakes. I think Foley was static. Like you know, he should be moving towards the ball. Um. But Fanning trying to put a pass to the half back line, you know, a pass like that, you know, it's it's deadly. You know, Ozzy saw it, he read it well, he intercepted it, and he had a few yards on Foley, and there was no catching him, you know. But the surprising thing was, no one came to meet him, you know, no one made him earn to the goal, like you know. So the defending was very loose. Waterford's puckouts in the first half, every pucket went was short by one long one. Strangely, Wexford's full forward line kind of sat on the forty. And didn't push him at any stage. They let him have it. They let the full back line have it. And I see Cork do the same. But they give the all the time in the world, the Waterford full back line had all they could walk out with the ball. And all they were doing was waiting for the Wexford for, or the Waterford forwards to make a run into space and the ball was put in there. The ball delivery was exquisite. Like, you know, they if they had to work through the lines, they worked through the line. But majority of the time it was played into space and there was runners off the shoulder, and that's how they just ran, ran at Wexford from the start. But I just don't get why he teamed, and, and Cork, as I said, do it as well, that they don't push up, you know, and, and maybe it'll force them to go along. And it, like it's a 50 50 ball then. But when you were given them possession and not contesting it, I, I, I it was highlighted on the Sunday game as well with Cork. You know, I just I can't understand why teams are doing that. Yeah. It'll certainly burn these teams going down the stretch, Kieran, as you say. An awful lot of full back line now are good distributors of the ball. They'll run out with the ball. They'll make the right call. They'll have the player overlap. But now these cornerbacks now are coming up the pitch 
50, 60, 70 metres. They're creating massive overlaps. I think they've followed the Limerick template and probably enhanced it a little bit. Yeah, I, I noticed that with Cork on Saturday night as well, but particularly Wexford. I thought Wexford were just literally stuck to the ground. You know, the first kind of real kind of dry weather summer day that we had. And I think their middle third got absolutely routed, as you said, Kieran. And yeah. it was just the, the support lines, you know, even for the Jack Fagan point, the first point, I mean, Ozzy Gleason scores 2-3. Now, it's marred by the right card at the end. But my God, what a sideline cut for the first score. Like, you know, he literally spots Fagan running from deep. Fagan doesn't have to break stride. Hits over a point, and then it's literally setting the tone. It's asking the question of the Wexford, you know, midfield and half or uh, half back, half forward line. What are you going to do here on the running lines? And it just simply didn't have any response. There wasn't even a sweeper. There, there was no alterations I could see here, Karen. It would literally was one way traffic, you know, which for Dar Egan and management, I'd say, has to be very worrying here. Yeah, and the defending was very loose as well. Mm. You know, there was. Um... Like standing off, like if you have a man running towards your goal, like the, I think the the first thing you need to do is get a man to close him down or close the space off. You know that didn't happen. Like you look at all five goals, they were, it was defensive mistakes. It wasn't that it was a you know a touch of class. Like they, they could have been stopped or they could have been you know a, a fair effort to stop. Like the first goal, okay, it, it was a a mix up between the goalkeeper and and Paddy Foley. Ozzy intercepted it, you know, he had a, he had a few yards on, on Foley by then, there was no stopping him. But Simon Donoghue or Liam Ryan never actually came out to meet Gleeson to try and stop his run, you know. But if you compare that to the other end, when on the odd occasion Roy O'Connor did break inside, yeah. uh, the Wexford Con- or Waterford Connor backs were, were straight around, they weren't fouling, but just holding them up. And straight away, Ty DeBurker was in in support. So you had two defenders wrapped around him, he was going over. So he... They're likely he was going to foul the ball by overcarrying, you know, or so compare that to what Wexford were doing. They were just standing off like that was the first goal. The second goal, I don't remember, Desi, I think, got the ball in the wing. Simon Dunhu, that was okay, Simon Dunhu, that was his man. He had to go to him. But Potty Foley also went with him. So the two Wexford defenders went for Desi, but left Ozzy Gleason behind him unmarked. Desi played the ball over the two into Ozzy. Clean the clean road, there was no one in front of him. So that was that's that's junior B defending in my eyes. You know that that should not happen. Is it a case then that that's why Davy did play a sweeper all the time? And my actually aren't good enough defensively to to go mano mano. The third goal, they're all pretty much the same. Like I think Callum Lyons made a long run up the middle of the field. Again, no one came to close him down. Uh, I remember the long sweeping pass. It was overdone. Who and O'Keefe and even Desi Hutchinson marked. Like, you know, this it's criminal defending, you know. So yeah. the, the caliber of Ozzy Gleason and Desi Hutchinson being left unmarked inside the twenty one, like, you know, you're, you're asking for trouble. I think the same as well for Prendergast goal. Curran, remember he made a run up the sideline. It was question if the ball was in or out. As I saw in the in the warm up drills, Mikey Kylie ran on his shoulder. Minute uh, opposition player came, ball was laid off. He continued to run in, pass inside again, Prendergast. Straight in on goal, no one came to meet him or close him off. And then the last goal, Hanlon, okay, it was a mistake, which I suppose can be easily made. It was his ball, he, he fumbled it. Shane Bennett and beat him for pace. And Simon Dunne, who came out, he kind of resisted and then he came to him. And it was just a, like that half arse of a challenge, what he called it. And he fell off him, you know. There was no, it was, it was, I wouldn't even call it a challenge, you know. But the thing is, for me, I think Liam Ryan is possibly too loose in there. Like, of all five goals, where was Liam Ryan? He was not on, you know, in front of protecting the house. 
you know, he was out. He, I think he goes out too far sometimes. It's a specialised position. I think you need to stay in around the house or, you know, there, thereabouts. I think Wexford have a pace issue at the back as well. Uh, I think Hanlon was caught for pace. Yeah, I, I think this, if you were to, if you were Egan, you'd be looking ahead going, you know, there's trouble ahead. Like, if this is where they're defending, you know, they're going to have to change send either personnel or just go with a sweeper full-time to, to contract it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit difficult, though, I think, Kieran, uh, for Darry Egan now. You know, he's three weeks out from first-round game against Galway down in Chadwick Park. I mean, to start stopping and changing formations and systems, but I think you brought up an awful lot of good points there. I mean, uh, to me, Wexford looks, just looked rattled, completely rattled from the open salvo, never really recovered. And I'd even go with the attacking shots to selection as well. Rory Connor has been prolific. How many times did we see actually Rory Connor on the sideline? Literally sure. against three against one. Like there was no quality ball going into Rory at all. And when he did get ball, as you say, the cornerbacks tied the burka, swarmed him, literally turnover ball, bang, no real support there. I suppose more general worries as well. I suppose Conor McDonald did go off, kind of looked like uh, not, not a great injury, really, uh, coming I off. I think the, the news actually is he, he, he will be okay. okay. It's, not as, it's not as bad as it thought, or, you know, what it might have been looked at. So I think he'll be okay for championship. Yeah, but as hitful forward line, it's not even the issue here. I think it's really that middle third. I think, Kieran, you've kind of rightly pointed out here that you're not going to win too many championship games if your middle third is getting absolutely routed like that. And I think... The more disappointing thing for Egan was, I think, for most of these goals, the player overlap. Where was the track and runners? Where were the defensive, you know, the game management? We mentioned about Watford against Tip there a few weeks ago, where Watford made in-game adjustments and then completely nullified Breen and a few of the other Tipperary half-forward line and literally made a kind of game when in charge just before halftime. We didn't really see any of that with Wexford, which I think... We went into last week thinking, geez, Wexford have a genuine opportunity here, but how to stock value to plummet after a result like that, I think it does raise a few questions. And I think Darry Egan will really see his true potentials here as a manager, how he boosts the side up, because this is the first defeat in the league. And what a heavy loss as well to kind of regroup the charges. Heading into Galway, I'd say Galway were probably looking on saying, geez, lads, we might have half a chance here, um, just given that performance. Yeah, and surprisingly, like... All along, we were seeing him working the ball in, and that's how Rory O'Connor was doing as well as he was. But against Waterford, like it was like they'd worked the ball as far as midfield, and they were just taking pot shots from distance. You know, like they'd eighteen wides, and I'd say a majority of them wides were from out near the halfway line. You know, oh, yeah. um, Damien Reck had taken a few, Dio Keith, just the ones I remember. Um, you know, like things have to go well for you if you're going to score there from that distance and and be in contention winning the game. You know, I think for Wexford to win games, they're going to need goals. And the, the supply of ball in was like, even Roy O'Connor was struggling to get in the ball, you know, and he was playing out the field a bit. Like, there was, um, to be fair to Conor McDonald and Oshin Pepper, like, Oshin Pepper didn't see any ball, but there was no ball going in, you know. Yeah. So it was like Wexford worked it up as far as midfield. And once he got it that far, they were just happy to have a shot, you know. Very little ball actually went in. So now, in saying that, they weren't full strength. Okay, they were very close to it. But I, I think Colin Flood will will start wing back. I think he uh, he's had a good league campaign. He's been a scoring wing back, and uh, he's got pace. So he up and down. I think Damien Reck's best position by far, and he he started cornerback. But when he came out to wing back, I think he actually he was Wexford's best player. I think by far, he had a very good yeah. game when he came out to wing back. 
Um, his brother Shane actually he he's out injured at the minute. I think the word is not too good. He's a hamstring tear, so it's uh, there's no time limit on it yet. But I don't think he's going to be back for early championship anyway. I think I think he's a huge loss because he's actually probably only Wexford's real like man marker defender. Like you know, yeah, Liam Ryan, uh, Matt O'Hanlon, Like to, I, I said it earlier, like there is a pace issue there with him. Yeah, it, it's concerning. I suppose really. I think what you possible half back line you'll see is Connell Flood, Potty Foley centre back, and Damien Reck. They could be solid, but I think they're they're it's a small half back line in Hurland these days, you know, so if they come up against Galway or Limerick and they, they could struggle. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see a sweeper back there, Karen. I know this is kind of back to Davy Fitz uh, tactics and all Darrow's very much fifteen on fifteen, but you're giving into the first round of the championship a key game against uh, Galway. Can't really win. Uh, you can't really lose your home games. Would you consider bringing back someone like O'Keefe back into a sweeper role, or maybe to kind of shore up the the defence a little bit, particularly between that centre half back and full back line? I think you might be left with no option. Yeah, I think you might be left with no option. I think yeah, D O'Keefe played very deep uh, at stages. Um, they kind of they even touched on Sunday game where they were kind of in and out of a sweeper system, you know. So I think they're going to have to just probably possibly go with one and, and stay with it like you know it, it probably won't take much adjustment they're used to playing that system so I don't think it's going to be you know something that's going to be alien to them but uh, I think against the against the likes of Galway Dublin uh, Kilkenny you know I think um, going on the weekend yeah they probably will have to play a sweeper yeah I just thought with Wexford as well the energy levels just did seem quite low I don't know maybe the schedule maybe having well I mean, against Cork, that was kind of a marquee win, you know, particularly to round up the regular season. But um, I just thought the energy levels were just a little bit low, but I think Waterford were completely on it. I think bouncing back after that Kilkenny loss in the last regular season game, really. And I mean, it has to be all good for Waterford. Jeez, the goal threat they have now, Karen. I mean, it's probably a critique of theirs with Dean Cal that they weren't creating much goal chances or scoring many, but my God, scored five goals again, you know. When you consider their league campaign here, Jesus, how many goals have they scored? Kind of 28, 29 goals during the league. Um, might be standard corrected there. But, I mean, if you have Desi Hutchinson, if Ozzy Gleeson can maybe stay out of the, the disciplinary stuff, maybe Bennett as well inside full forward, Curran as well. Jeez, that's a potent full forward line there that will really strike the fear of God into many inter-county full back lines uh, in, uh, this spring and summer. Yeah, and if you look at the starting team from... From uh from Sunday, like the players that were that were, hadn't started, you know, um, mm. Stephen Bennett, Jamie Barron, and yeah, you know, Prunty, you know, these lads are going to walk onto that team. But the players that are playing in their positions look every bit as comfortable as as Barron and Prunty and and Stephen Bennett. Now there is a lot of speculation about Bennett's injury, and I think he would be a huge loss because I think he's he's had a, an un- unbelievable league to to date. But um. They've really got uh, a strong panel, and obviously we all know with the round robin coming, the strong panel is going to be called upon day or week in, week out. So it's needed. I think the the after their attacking threat is is there for all to see, but I think defensively as well they're sound. And I think when you're comparing Waterford to Cork, I think we'll touch on Cork in a few minutes, but I think Waterford are the complete. You know, I think. If Limerick are to perform to the heights they did over the last year, I think Waterford are going to be the team that's closest to him because there's question marks over Cork's defence. I think I think Waterford from from one to fifteen, I think they have it right. 
I completely agree with you, Karen. I think that's those bench as well. As you said, you've named off three or four kind of regular starters, even all stars there, like Baron Prunty. Jesus. Dean Cahill, Michael Bevins, those training sessions, AFB games are going to be absolutely phenomenal now to see who even gets into a league final uh, panel and then even Tipperary in the first round. I mean, it's just, it's set up so well for Watford. You mentioned it as well, Karen, start the podcast. It's always been a good, feel good vibe about Watford this year, particularly with Bally Gunner and their kind of campaign to all Aaron club glory. It really has kind of manifested itself in this Watford side. They seem to have evolved and I think it's a fascinating battle here with Cork. I suppose we can get to Cork as well here, Karen. In Parky Keeve, uh, the crowd, I think, I believe it was around 19,000. Yeah, down I believe in it. Keeve, Which is a phenomenal crowd for a semi-final, but it doesn't that go to show just in terms of the Cork public and their vehement support of the yeah. senior hurling team under uh, Karen Kingston. I, I thought it was a quality game uh, between themselves and Kilkenny. And we said last week that it was really a free hit for Kilkenny, given no disrespect to Westmead and Leash, that they had no excuses here that they would go all out and I mean a good start for Kilkenny, but my God, I thought Cork in the second half, the bench and the run game absolutely destroyed Kilkenny and were the winners in the end. Yeah, the game actually Kilkenny reminded me of the uh it reminded me back to the game in against Limerick in twenty nineteen the way they started. You know, they, they came out of the traps hot. They just everything did very every ball went to hand, you know, they did it at a pace. And for the first 20, 25 minutes, I think they blew Cork away. You know, I don't think Cork were expecting that. I think they've kind of showed how to close down Cork. You know, if you're to stop Cork attacking, you need to stop them at source, you know. So when you've runners like, and I think actually when Tim O'Manley came on in the second half, I think he was, the, you know, he made a huge difference going forward. You know, it starts from the guys like him. Dara Fitzgibbon, you know, these guys running at pace with, with fellas off the shoulder working through the lines, like, you know, they're, they are going to be hard to stop. But I think Kilkenny kind of showed how you do that. You know, they're in their face. Anything that moved, they hit. You know, the referee was letting it go, so they took it to the advantage. I, you know, I was impressed with Kilkenny for the first, you know, for the first half especially. You know, I think it'll stand him. That game will stand him. And I think Cody will be happy overall. You know, looking back at the league, I think it be, would have been a good league campaign for Kilkenny. You know, I think going into Leinster, geez, I think they, for me, they have to be favourites to win Leinster. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I suppose the way Cork responded in second half, but I suppose first half wise for Kilkenny, it did start very well. I thought, you know, they really did front up very well, didn't they? Uh, Kieran, 1 to 15, you know, gave the Cork backline no platform to create the run game. The hits were in, uh, Keown, Billy Ryan. They were pretty prominent, I thought, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, Cody had a great game as well. And yeah, four points, had four points, four piece, points yeah. yeah. It was very prominent. Uh, Murphy as well, around that midfield area, had kind of came out, was providing some gorgeous ball into the inside for the forward line. And I think it did expose maybe Mark Coleman again defensively, particularly on one or two kind of occasions, particularly on the goal, first goal particularly. He seemed to be kind of caught for a little bit of pace for the lead-up to the first goal, but... I also think as well, I think I think Dara Leary has been caught. I think looking back at it, like he's been caught two or three times over the last few games. And like, you know, and look, and not being hard, it's a specialised position and he's a young lad. And But I, I don't know, like seemingly he's going to be missing for the weekend. He picked up a knock. So like, will they stick with him or will they twist? And, you know, I know Downey has played there. Mellorick has played there a few games this year. You know, I think to me, it'll be worrying if you're getting caught in the league, two or three times over, like, you know, what are the chances of this happening come the championship? Defensively, I, I, I still have question marks over Cork. 
their puck out defence, which I think was highlighted, you know, similar to Wexford, but they're holding, like, you know, the Kilkenny full back line, or, you know, they could walk out with the ball at their own pace. Cork had no intention of contesting them, you know, so they held, but once a good pass was given, they, you know, they were, it, was, it was highlighted a few occasions where they were beaten, you know, and it led, it led, but Kilkenny went down the field and scored a point, you know. I think the Coma situation, I think it, it really will have to be a well-oiled machine to work. So yeah. when you have Coleman stepping out of centre back, having, let's say, if uh, Kieran Joyce is playing midfield or wing back, having to step over, you know, you're talking the whole unit having to move around. But whatever about the wing back having to cover in where it's lateral, but if you have a midfielder to step back, you know, it's not as easy. So I think there's no sign to say that they're going to change at this stage. But I think uh, if that is the case, have Cork really learned from last year then? Is what I'm going to say because. You know, both times that Keane Lynch went up against Mark Coleman, I think he really highlighted that, you know, it's a an area Cork should be looking at, but they've stuck with it, and all signs are they are going to stick with it. But I think when you have question marks over your three and six, it's going to be a big ask to win All-Ireland. Certainly. I think Mallorick and also Joyce, I think they're the focal points here. If any one of them goes down with an injury during this championship, I think Cork are in serious trouble. Because I don't see anything from a squad bench perspective to fulfil that role. I thought Joy's second half, Karen was absolutely unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Turnover machine, his pace, his fitness, launching attacks, the run game, everything else. And like Mellorick is a very well-drilled player as well in terms of that system. But as I say, I think the fullback situation, speaking to a few Cork lads, they don't even think I think there's a fullback problem here. That they reckon that Downey will be a wingback. The Dara inside and fullback, but I think fullback. I think quality teams will expose that, and I would think Limerick should be doing due diligence on that, exploiting Galan one on one inside or you know even Keane Lynch inside. I think it's a very sore point there because there are vulnerabilities there. Kilkenny certainly exposed it, and I think coming into this weekend, Kieran with Waterford with a potent full forward line, like said Desi Hutchinson, his movement inside if early ball goes in there. I think it would be very interesting to see. I mean, you don't have that much time from a Cork perspective to really be tinkering around defensively now. If there is, dare I say, if Watford do go on a bit of a scoring spree here in the insightful forward line, there's no time left. No, I mean, I think it'll, be, it'll be definitely a real test for them going into the mm. championship, I think, you know, if they can hold tough on Watford's attack, you know. But <clears throat> I suppose huge question marks, uh, and only the next few weeks will tell us was really. Really impressed as well. Uh, Darif has given really back to form of, of the last oh, few years. Super, you know, unbelievable. It? Unbelievable. And our, um, Alan Connolly, you know, geez, these young lads are coming out. Like, think back to this time last year, all the talk was for Jack O'Connor. Now Jack yes. O'Connor can't even make the team. You know, Alan Connolly seems to have, you know, come in there and I'd say all going well for him. I think he has a, a starting jersey come championship. It's, it's gone to the stage even where you're kind of looking to go, you know, it's Horgan even safe from the team. You know, he didn't have a good game last week. Okay, nine points, but eight of them are from, from place balls. There's a lot of pressure on there uh, in that forward unit, and there's serious choice, serious, you know, serious selection issues there for, for, for Kingston. But I think the the player for, for me of, of the league for, for Cork has been Lahan. I think he's just stepped back in. Uh, he's been unbelievable. Been a complete resurgence, hasn't it? I mean, he took, you know, the year, two years out, back with Middleton, playing superb club hurling, and then comes back in, more fresh, more perspective on things. And really, he's performing. Maybe he's not putting as much pressure as he was putting himself under, I think. 
you know, because this guy is being, you know, is the prodigal hurling god down there, you know, particularly in his young days. He was being heralded about 10 years ago, and I think maybe he put maybe a little bit too much pressure on himself. He's come back in, bread of fresh air. I think Connolly as well. Lovely strike of a ball, you know, real good physicality, work rate. I thought the ruthlessness of Kingston in the sideline, he hauled off Horgan, and he hauled off his son Shane. You know, literally said the work rate wasn't up to it, and he hauled both of them off before the 68th minute, which I thought was a, a pretty telling statement for both of those guys that they're not guaranteed their game time even for a league final so it's um kind of evenly poised i think there but i think Fitzgibbon as well from Charleville is just i don't think we saw the true darrell Fitzgibbon last year to be perfectly fair he was kind no. of struggling yeah. but i think you know he's pace wise my god is there anyone better in full flow his goal was phenomenal that really kind of secured the win but i thought from cork from maybe 30 minutes out we're getting well on top in the halfback line they were launching an awful lot of attacks from deep Kilkenny were just not able to hold it. I will point again uh, to Kilkenny subs bench. They only used three subs on the night. Yeah. Richie Reid only came on with four minutes to go. Mm. What's that all about, to be perfectly fair? Now, they're expecting TJ Reid to maybe come back in, but for, you know, a game in a balance, wouldn't you think you'd throw maybe a few bodies on to kind of freshen it up, gain a bit of energy? But it just to me, it's still underlying issues here with Cody and maybe the management staff that, do they have confidence here in terms of the fourth, fifth, sixth guy coming in? I don't think they do. Yeah, it's not the first time, you know, it's not the first game this year where we've kind of noted that. And it's like going into a round robin, we know like the most important thing is your, your squad. It's not your 15, it's your your starters and then your finishers. But also TJ, like I know they have the easier route, I suppose, to have Westmead and Leash uh, first two games. But even TJ, to get game time into him, like, you know, before they face into, I think, Galway, Dublin, Wexford in that, in that um yeah, you know, in that order, similar to Lee Chin for Wexford, like you know, uh, that was his first. I think the word I heard he's only back training the last three weeks. You know, so you could see the enemy hadn't much hurling done when he came on the other day. You know, he, he did make an impact, and he I probably yeah. he always will make an impact. But these guys need to get hurled into him. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point to note. Exactly. I suppose kind of Lee Chin's cameo. I mean, probably Darren Fitzgibbon or Dara Egan is probably thinking now. Maybe, maybe he had the luxury. Maybe kind of keeping Lee Chin in reserve. I think he's probably having to push pretty hard on Lee Chin now to kind of get into full hurling mode in the next few weeks uh, ahead of the Galway match because certainly they need a bit of physicality in that forty, don't they? Just to kind of win primary balls of possession here and yeah, the half hour line. The half hour line is 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 light in my eyes. Um, I, you saw it in the first probably five, six puckles. They went along and didn't win any of them, you know. So I think even there for a ball winning capacity. But the word with Chin is that it is a hamstring issue he has that needs to be operated on. And I think they've probably been minding up to now. Can they rely on him for the whole season? You know, time will tell, I suppose. Exactly. Now, I know last week, this time last week, <laughs> when we had all the lads on, we were kind of commenting about the Munster teams, not really kind of maybe fully committing to this uh, semi-final, but I suppose it would be fair to say, Kieran, uh, this it's a National League title. Both lads are all in, are they? All, I all think bets so. are off? I think, I think you have to at this stage. Yeah. You know, it can be a good or bad thing preparation-wise for championship. The fear would be if you pick up any injuries to your you know players that you need on the field. But I think when you're in the final, it's silver there for the taking. I think that I think they will go for it, you know. We all know the downside to the league set up this year and the final being so close to championship. 
I think that would probably be addressed next year. Uh, I think there does need to be more. I think at least three weeks between a league final and, and cha- start championship. I I, re- I think really there should have been no semi-finals and just have the the winner of, of Group One A and One B in the final. I think that might be a, a better approach. But um, yeah, I think uh, a real a real battle coming up and people have them second and third teams in the country behind Limerick. Okay, Limerick are yet to show anything, but on farm this year they're the best two teams in the country. I think it's very much dangerous clock, isn't it, regarding Limerick that everyone's still ranking Limerick number one. I mean, they haven't really shown their hand here. We won't really know anything about Limerick until Easter weekend, down in Parky Keeve against Cork. And people are expecting Limerick to turn it on against Cork. And I mean, imagine here for Limerick, I mean, if they didn't have to know already about to get their performances up to the optimum, you know, Cork Waterford in the National Hurling League final, one of them is going to win this Saturday night. It's a massive boost to the Hurling senior programmes there for either. I mean, can you imagine with Waterford, more of a momentum after Ballygunner winning All-Ireland Club? Same with Cork, you know, with the underage success, they could potentially win here. I think Limerick have it all to do here, Karen, to be perfectly frank. You know, I'm, I'm kind of seeing the betting odds and stuff, and it's not really adding up for me right now. I mean, a loss for Limerick, potentially in Cork, puts him into a massive hole here, really, when you consider uh, Watford the following week in Absolutely. the US Gaelic yeah. grounds, really. I don't think the draw has been that favourable to them. You know, two weeks two weeks in a row, the two teams that are being classed as your, your closest rivals, you know. So the only thing I will say... For the losing team, it's a short period to championship then, trying to regain a bit of confidence after a loss. You probably only have a week to work on anything that might have gone wrong. You know, the week before the championship match, you're, you're not going to do any hard training, you know. So I suppose it can be looked at from both ways. Obviously, yes, if you win and everyone comes through unscathed, then yeah, everything's going great. But I think for the team who does lose, you know, it's a short time to pick yourself up and face. And it's a testing, you know, six weeks, yeah. you know. Uh, Munster teams four games, Leinster teams five games, six weeks. So, you know, I think for the winner, you know, obviously it'll be easier. But the, the losing team, it, it will be a negative going into championship. I completely agree, and I think if you're a strength and conditioning coach of any of these Munster sides right now, your money is where your mouth is right now. Where, where, what have you done in terms of have you got it spot on in terms of peaking now for the next four to five weeks, or have you done maybe a Galway on it and peaked too soon from last year? turn flat performances in championships so I think that would be a fascinating kind of intriguing kind of battle and I mean not right enough Limerick here by any stretch of the imagination here ladies and gentlemen but uh, again it's going to be a fascinating watch here and um, Kieran, can we get a prediction from you on the Cork uh, Waterford game I'm really looking forward to it on Saturday night Turles if it's nice weather like it has been we should be in for a very high scoring game I think so yeah two real attacking teams uh, both teams probably will be missing one or two. As I say, Daryl Leary missing. I read earlier he's going to be missed, definitely missing for the game. Yeah. There's a question mark over Tim O'Mahony, but I think they're expecting him to start or be available. Obviously, Waterford going to be without Ozzy Gleeson. I go back to what I said earlier. I think Waterford are the complete unit of the two teams. I think they have it up front. They have it defensively. They have a... If one player isn't performing... They have players on the bench who are just as good. I still have question marks. I'm open to be proven wrong. I have serious question marks over Cork's defence. And based on that, I think I think Waterford. I'm hesitantly agreeing with you here, Kieran. I think this will be a very high-scoring game. I think we're going to see both teams really kind of do battle and really kind of take 
strips out of each other, to be perfectly fair. I wouldn't be all surprised if this went extra time, which may be a worst-case scenario for both teams here, uh, to be fair, because I think this is such a, a huge game. Maybe last week's semi-final, if you lost the semi-final, then fair enough. But this is a national competition final, and for both of these hurling teams and counties, there's been a bit of a famine in terms of winning silverware at this level. So I think everything is going to be fully committed to this. I would agree with you here, Karen. I think Watford have, they're on the road a little bit now. I think they really need to strike now. So Gleeson being out is a bit of a blow, but I still think, as you say, there's people there to come in. Daryl Lyons, guys like that, Jack Fagan, Jack Montgomery, guys like that were going to step up. Kern, I'm delighted to see. I think he's a phenomenal herder. You know, he's taking the freeze on now, stuff like that. I think he provides an awful lot of good open play options for Watford. I think it's just going to be fascinating to run game between the two teams. Who's going to establish in the half-back line to set the platform? I think it's going to ebb and flow. I think Watford can do it. There's nowhere they can go. But I think, you know, compare that to Coleman, he's brilliant going forward, but he doesn't offer the same uh, qualities defensively. But when you have players of Waterford standard running at you, your defensive unit needs to be at, at its best qualities defensively. But when you have players of Waterford standard running at you, your defensive unit needs to be at, at its best. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Karen. I think this Cork backline rotation, it is going to be maybe exposed and maybe exposed this weekend. You just never know. But I think, uh, I think for both managers, the hope will be that they don't have suspensions or maybe injuries. I think injuries might be the more primary yeah, concern here because yeah. you have no turnaround time, as you say, uh, Karen. But I think really looking forward to that on Saturday night. I suppose we can go to the, the relegation uh, final because <laughs> that was definitely one where we knew that both teams were going to go all out for. And uh, I suppose there's a good news story for Antrim Hurling that they retained their status again, 224 to 217 over a gallant Offaly team. But I think at no stage did I feel, looking at the highlights here, that Antrim were every way threatened. I don't know if you saw the match at all, uh, Kieran, or Same, I saw, I saw the highlights as well, Mark, yeah. yeah. I, I think looking at the highlights, uh, Antrim were, were really impressive. You know, they were back to what they've been doing earlier in the league, you know, running the teams, um, runners off the shoulder, you know, just real attacking, uh, good hurling, like very good hurling to watch. Awfully, like if you look at their defending, it's very, very loose, you know. Uh, I think Antrim made it look very easy when they got through for the goals. Um, should have had another one as well, obviously. But yeah, I think I think Antrim are just a couple of years ahead of what Offaly are. You know, I think I think really Offaly are probably maybe three or four years off to see any of the rewards of the work that's been done in the background. You know, this the minor team is supposed to be uh, of real quality. You know, and and uh, I think once you see these guys starting to come into the senior system, then I think you know you, you might see. But in, in their defence, like you know. To go from playing Christy Ring last year to playing at the top table, like, you know, it's a jump that can't be done easily, like, you know, so they'll, they'll gain a lot of experience from playing in it. Um, they'll know where they'll have to be at. But I think, to be fair, Antrim have been consistent in defeat, like, you know, they've been, haven't been far off, you know, in all the matches they played. I think probably the leash game, looking back, was probably their worst game. But, uh, and, and do it as well without their, their main man, McManus, like, you know, so I think that just shows how much, how far ahead they were of Offaly, really. They're a little bit further on in their development, it has to be said here, Karen. and uh, I suppose the highlights there from an Antrim perspective, Conal Gunning scores the 10 points, 9 from freeze, deputised very well for McManus, and I suppose you have McNaughton and also Keelan Malloy, who I think is a, fan- a fantastic player, mm. mainly chipped in with early goals. Now, Offaly never went away, 
And I think Owen Cal has to be applauded here 2-6 uh, from the 2-17 for uh, Offaly. But again, we've seen kind of with Offaly, they've died really badly in games in the second half. And I mean, the last 30 minutes, Antrim won 13 points to 1-3. I think that kind of tells your tale of the tape there a little bit. Now, Offaly did, were reduced to 13 players. And I know um, O'Connor for Antrim was sent off late uh, with a black card and uh, another card. But... Uh, I think to be perfectly fair, it's three weeks until the two meet in the Joe McDonough, so that'll be interesting to see. But I think for Offaly, they've got a taster of where they need to go in terms of that, and it's no guarantee that Offaly will be getting into a knockout stages here. Just comparing that with Division 2 and see West Car- well, the Kerrys, the Downs, the Carlos, God, they've been beating each other up week in, week out. So I think for Offaly, they kind of know where they are. I think Rory has highlighted the minor team, the underage structures in place in Offaly. That's not going to take, um, that's not an overnight success here. So I think for Offaly, I think it's maybe a rebuild and maybe a question mark over Michael Friendly. Will he commit again next season? Long term again to this Offaly project? Who, who knows? But uh, I think for our Antrim. But to jump, to, to be in there, uh, to be fair to them, like to jump one division is a big ask for a team yeah. to adjust and do well. But to jump two divisions really playing against, you know, top teams, you know, they're always going to be up against it like Westmead were last year. But I think um you know, I think the I don't think they'll be I think like like Savantrum and Kerry and Westmead, they've a lot more experience playing at a, a higher level and I think come Joe McDonough, these these guys will be more prepared to deal with the likes of Offley, you know. But as I said they're they're probably a couple of years off. <clears throat> There's great work going on in the background and they will see rewards eventually. There will be rewards from Oh exactly. Yeah I, I totally agree there. I think it's a long-term project there. Michael Dugdon's doing great work there in terms of the Offaly board. I mean, they're setting up the structures, centres of excellence, uh, you know, and really kind of building the underage structures, which is is the key. And, I mean, we'll have Rory on during the summer here, really kind of charting progress of the minors, under-20s. And we'll see what Offaly, and I think we'll, they'll emerge because they have been pretty good in the forestal in recent years. Um, so hopefully that talent gets nurtured and continues, which is great. But congratulations, Antrim. I think it's a good news story for them. And hopefully... They can strike on a little bit more, more underage players coming in and really kind of developing there. I think uh, Derek Gleeson has really been doing a very good job there in Antrim. And congratulations to everyone in the Saffron County. Kieran, I suppose, do we want to kind of switch tack then a little bit? There's maybe an inter-county team or two um, announced there during the week. I suppose we can quickly delve into the Galway inter-county kind of panel here, uh, Kieran. I mean, it was announced fairly quickly on Monday, I thought. But uh, the initial reaction from my perspective was no real general surprises, but I suppose living around Oran Moore, one of the key omissions was Niall Burke, who probably would have been a pivotal guy that came on in the 2017 All-Ireland Hurling final against uh, Waterford. Didn't really get any game time from Shefflin, has been omitted, along with Sean Loftus, who's very highly regarded here in, off, uh, in Galway, and also Adrian Toohey as well. Um, again, I don't know what thoughts you have on that panel, uh, Kieran. I suppose Shefflin really uh, is probably looking more so to the youth. And I, I imagine it's not a, a one-year plan or a two-year plan. It's probably a three- or four-year plan. Um, from what I've seen, there's some good young players there. And I suppose, you know, he'll nurture them and bring them along. And I, I presume he has a, a target in mind. I don't think they're going to be up there winning All-Ireland this year. But, um, you know, I think it definitely... Yes, who's better to judge than the boys themselves up there? But uh, yeah, I think the younger guys are they do look good. Likes of, you know, Tom Monaghan was really impressed this year. 
Um, you know, Niall has, has, has caught the eye before this year, but, you know, young guy, all the same. You know, so I think uh, they, they have the players. They always did. It's just a matter of getting the best of them. Exactly. And, I mean, the announcement now, Dahi Burke is captain of the team, kind of speaks volumes there, of the height of respect within the squad, and also Henry Shefflin of Dahi. I know we kind of said about Dahi and his kind of injury layoff, and I think he will be primed with that captaincy role. Joseph Cooney from Sarsfields as well as vice captain. I think it's quite a, an interesting kind of lineup, as you say, a very youth-orientated squad. But a, a good mix of, of of experience as well, you know. Okay. The only the only um, the only thing to point out is a, a possibly a lack of leaders up front, you know, in the forward line. Uh, I, I've mentioned it before, and I think you know, come come important championship games, you know, is there someone there to pull them out of? Tight situations like Hannon did for years. Uh, I think every team has one. You look at Tipperary, they always look to Ford. You know, Limerick, we're, we've Keen Lynch, you know, who usually pulls, you know, does the magic things to get us out. Obviously, Waterford of Ozzy Gleason, you know, they, you know, I don't think Waterford actually have like a talisman, a marquee player that can do that, you know. So I think that would be something if I was Sheffield to be looking at, you know, developing leaders in the team, you know, and, and kind of in every line and, uh, you know, that, that that comes with time. That comes with experience. Exactly. And I just wonder if uh, Shefflin will kind of launch maybe a few surprises. I'm just thinking in terms of maybe a TJ Brennan from Carnbridge, you know, very prominent with the University of Limerick in the Fitzgibbon Cup campaign. Quality herder from Carnbridge. There is a nice little spread of Carnbridge players here. And that's indicative of the underage success that Carnbridge have had. They got to the county final last year, got beaten by St. Thomas's, But I think it really kind of shows Shefflin and he's... Galway-based management really have scoured in terms of uh, the best youth talent around, and you know they've literally complemented it. I think Cahill Mannion, I think the hope here in Galway is he lights it up, but again, it's a very hard ask. <laughs> you know, you're trying to replace the god in Joe Canning here, as you say, Karen, and I think it'll be a uh, that'll be an interesting selection, and I'll be very fascinated to see how they go against Wexford that that uh, first round in the Lancer Hurling Championship. I think it's got to be absolutely primed. For both yeah, teams, absolutely. you know, yeah. which will be grand. Squad that kind of took note for me was the Limerick under twenty hurling panel. Uh, Dermot Mullins is manager of the under twenty hurling uh, team, and to be perfectly fair, um, the round robins kind of starting out next next Wednesday, April sixth. Limerick are hosting Clare to TUS Gaelic Grounds at seven pm, and on April twentieth, uh, travelling to Parky Ring to face the reigning All Ireland champions Cork. Now, the under-20 squad has been named. My God, uh, Karen Collins, uh, there's no pressure here on uh, on the management and Dermot Mullins here, given some of the selections here. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's a strong panel. There's a lot of, you know, if you look at, you know, players playing who are on the Limerick senior setup, like, you know, you, you forget these lads are young guys, like, you know, that they're still under-20s, like, you know. Uh, I think the Cork game, I think the expectation on people will be the Cork, you know, or the team to beat. And I suppose uh, that will be the main test for him, you know, when you say it was April 20th. Um, so yeah. I think you'll you have a fair idea where you're at um, after that game, you know, against Cork, because they're, you know, littered with, with with stars, I suppose, really. We saw that last year. And that's what a lot you might have some of the minors who won on that 20 team as well, you know. So I think um, you'll have a fair idea where you're at after that game. Yeah, it's a, it's a good kind of representation across the county, uh, I think, here, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Karen. I mean, most divisionals are being well represented here. I'm kind of looking at Adam Fitzgerald from Temple Glantyne, for instance, West Limerick. 
there's a smattering of players from Munger St. Paul's, Colin O'Neill, obviously, Craig Cora manager. You have a good present uh, representation of Dune, who've been fairly prominent in underage ranks there as well. I see Evan O'Leary, Ahan, has featured there as well. Again, it's a very, very good panel overall here. Ronan Lines as well. And also Aidan O'Connor, I think. This is a guy that Rory had highlighted to us in this podcast, a guy that is lighting it up in third level, uh, whatever he's seen. So it'd be very interesting to see how these guys really go um, in terms of that panel. But I think it's a strong panel. Colin Coughlin as well from Bally Brown. My God, there's a few of yeah. them already. With Colin O'Neill. Yeah, exactly. There's a few uh, senior all Ireland medal in the back pocket yeah. already, yeah. which is unreal. Um, so, But uh, best of luck anyway to um, the panel anyway. I know Dermot Mullins, he has Richie Flannery, Tommy Quaid, John Meskell, uh, absolutely rock-solid coaching staff behind him. Also, Brian Murray has joined the backroom staff this year's goalkeeping coach, Leon Morrison, strength and conditioning. Won't be found wanting there. Uh, Neil Clifford, liaison officer, pa, keen looking after stats, and Declan Gillan, Kitman, and Brian Moran being the physio. And I think that's a very solid unit there. And I suppose on behalf of myself and Kieran, anyway, Limerickman, Hopefully all goes well for the Limerick under-20s. Karen, it's been a lengthy one tonight, but uh, I think we've gone through plenty. I think next week we'll review the National Hurling League and maybe have a bit of a sneaky peek at the Munster and Leicester Hurling Championships. But uh, until then, Karen, thanks very much. No matter, Mark. See you again. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.